You're listening to the Bethel Baptist Podcast. This recording is from our adult Sunday school class. Today's lesson is taught by Keith Wilkinson. All right, we're going to get started here this morning. I'll try to. Uh, the handouts that are back there, again, we're going through the, uh, there's two things back there. One is a sheet that uh, kind of fill in the blank we're going to get to later on. And the other is this calendar style booklet back there uh, called Transformed into His Likeness. We're going to use it, be using that a little bit this morning as well. And really continuing our discussion from last week. And again, the calendars, if uh, or that's what I call them, calendars, <laughs> booklets. Uh, if you want to take those home with you, that's fine. If you're able to uh, contribute $7 toward those, that'd be great. Uh, if you don't have the money, don't deter you or don't let that deter you from taking one home. We want to have those resources into your hands. Uh, but just something, again, to help us as we think about sin or battling sin. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Again, this morning, a continuation from what we uh, started. Actually, this is a long continuation. We started this discussion a long time ago with just uh, the whole the whole concept of the process of change. How do we change in the Christian life? How do we move forward in sanctification? And so this is uh, a very narrow aspect of that in the sense we talked about guilt. We talked about repentance. We talked about uh, forgiveness. We talked about uh, the different models of sanctification uh, very briefly. That was a couple months ago. And we really have just been moving along in that uh, uh, that handout that we had a long time ago, dealing with those different topics. But one of the things that we want to talk about that's a very specific area is the idea or the, the aspect of sin. How do we battle sin? And that is something that I don't think is talked about a lot in the Christian community. We, we talk about addressing sin, but I don't think we necessarily talk about battling sin and how do we move forward in our life in that way. So, so that's what this little booklet is there to help you with. And we're going to talk more about that uh, this morning. For those of you who were not here last week, uh, we're not going to do a whole lot of a, uh, a review there. I did send out an email that, or had Jamie send out an email that kind of talked about reading through Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3. Those two sections of Scripture that I had in that email are really important as we think about this transformed into His likeness. It's all about the, uh, the concept of putting off unrighteousness or putting off sin and then putting on righteousness. And that's an active process, and we'll do just a little bit of a recap, but that's pretty much what we're going to be talking about this morning. Before we get into that, does anybody have any prayer requests? Yeah, Glenn. Uh, we're still looking for an agent for Post 11. You're looking for what? It's still an agent. A a agent, uh, agent general. He takes care of the... Yeah, and that's for the... That, and, and it's free. Especially out the other leaders. That's for the, the leaders. That's for the VFW. Yeah, for the American Legion. Okay. Post eleven. We only have a temporary one because the 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 one that was uh, voted in two years ago got ill. Okay. All right. All right. Sounds good. Any other requests this morning? Yeah, Ann. I like prayer for two women. One's name is Joan and one is Stephanie. They're both people that live where Paul is, and they're both dying. Okay. Um, 
I mean, they're all dying there, but, yeah. but they will be dying soon, and I'd like prayer for their family. Oh, okay. Um, are, are they believers? Don't know. I don't know. We'll pray My for guess it. would be no, but neither one is Catholic, so yeah, they're not Catholic, so okay, yeah. sounds good. So I don't know. Yep, Abby, you had okay. Uh oh, uh -oh. <laughs> it's still up there. Now it's gone. Well, we've got those up there. I'm not going <laughs> to. If, if I go here, it's going to erase it. I'm not sure why it went away here on my screen. But anyway, we'll have to. You guys will have to write down the rest. I'm not sure why it went away here on mine. But anyway, um, any other requests? Yeah. Well, we've got a few. Uh, there's some impact opportunities coming up uh, next Sunday. There's a back again. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So evangelism outreach opportunities, we just put it that way. I add that to the list. All right. Any other things? All right, any uh, volunteer to pray for, actually those four things, pray for the Glens, Anns, Abbeys, and then the one that Greg had. Anybody want to pray for those? Chuck? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance to gather together for the church. Hold out one for all those who called out of kingdom of darkness into kingdom of the glorious
sets up the uh, evangelism opportunities for giving the opportunity to and maybe be with them in great power to move in preaching of the truth that we discover they will be fruitful. Amen. All right, so go ahead and open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We are going to read back through that again uh, this morning. And again, that just helps to frame everything. And as you're doing that, I'm just going to uh, go through uh, what you have in that little calendar there. It's on page 1 of the calendar. Uh, that's just the Second uh, Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Again, that does help us to frame what we're going to talk about as well. Uh, so 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equi excuse me, equipped for every good work. And that's an important section of Scripture simply because it draws our attention to Scripture, all Scripture, but it also uh, is really a promise there that it gives us everything we need uh, for every good work. Again, it doesn't say that we have what we need for some good works or most good works. We have everything we need for every good work. And so when we think about sin and battling sin, we know that the scriptures are sufficient to help us deal with any difficulty of life. It doesn't matter. And many people will argue today that, well, we we live in the modern era. There's so many different things that come at us that's not like it was a thousand years ago or 2,000 years ago, whatever, and that's just not true. We know that as we look at the scriptures, we see in the garden that uh, Adam and Eve were tempted uh, in three ways, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. All sins fall into one of those three categories. There's no other category. There's no other new thing. And we see that reiterated then in Matthew 4 when Jesus is out being tempted in the wilderness. Those are the three ways he's tempted in the wilderness. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And so again, we, we think about different aspects or di different maybe specific sins, but all of those fall into one of those three categories. And so that's why something like this is just extremely important as we think about our life as a Christian and do we have all that we need for uh, battling sin? And the answer to that is yes. Uh, not only that, but uh, again, we have to be mindful. I think we talked about this a while back. Um, we have to be mindful, and this is why, again, we have to think theologically. We always have to think theologically. So when you are discipling people or you are trying to work through something on your own, one of the things that sometimes comes up is, I, I just can't do this. Uh, I've been dealing with this particular issue for a long time, and I'm not making any progress, and I just can't do fill in the blank. We have to be very careful when we make a statement like that, and for this reason. If we are a believer, according to the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit resides within us. The Holy Spirit convicts us, the Holy Spirit guides and directs us, and if we hold that as a truth, then when we say, I just can't do something, we are saying that the Holy Spirit is powerless to change my life. 
We are now making a statement. The, the statement is no longer about me. The statement is about what I believe or, or my theology when it comes to God himself and specifically the Holy Spirit. And that, when I say I can't do something when it comes to the battling of sin, that now becomes a blasphemous statement. It's an indictment against God. Yeah, he saved me, but he's not powerful enough to transform me. And we, we just can't say that, right? And so if we have found ourselves saying those kinds of things in the past, my encouragement to you is to stop saying that and rephrasing it. With the help of the Holy Spirit, by the help of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, I can move forward and battle whatever sin issue I'm dealing with. And we start thinking that way. Again, that's part of just renewing our mind. Renewing our mind about who God truly is and what he has done in my life and what he will continue to do in my life. All right, let's go through, well, before I go through Ephesians 4, any questions on what I mentioned so far? Or maybe any questions about last week? I guess I should have started there. All right, let's go through Ephesians 4, 17 to 32. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Because of all of those things, right? That's what he's referring to in the therefore. Because of all that I've just said, therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And then verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And so again, this wonderful section of scripture that really instructs us or, or gives us this instruction about how to grow in godliness or what it looks like to grow in godliness uh, versus uh, 17 to 24 really kind of set it up, and then 25 to 32 is just what this should look like. What's a, uh, Paul doesn't tell us to uh, uh, put off the old man and put on the new man 
and then just leave us hanging there. And then we would have to ask the question, well, okay, you told me how to do this. What does it look like? How should I do this? In 25 to 32, he tells us how to do it. He shows us what it looks like when we're actually doing that, when we're putting off the old man and putting on the new man. We, we mentioned that last week. Um, it's the idea of putting off unrighteousness and putting on, uh, putting on righteousness, right? We're putting off sin, putting on righteousness. And I mentioned, what was the key component I mentioned last week that is different from psychology in the sense of what we are to do and the concern we are to have as we put on righteousness? Rachel. Yeah, the old man needs to be put away. The new man is put on. But what goes with that? How is it different? I mentioned it's different from the 12-step programs in, in one particular way. Rachel. Oh, oh. Um, it's not just putting away the old man. It's replacing bad habits with righteous habits. Yeah, replacing bad habits with righteous habits. What, what, what are they? Yeah. Yeah, it's right. Good. Yeah, it's not just about me, right? Uh, that's part of the kind of the 12-step methodology is that, uh, again, with somebody who is a, a drunkard, uh, just stop drinking. Just stop drinking and then your life is okay. Uh, that's not biblical. Uh, the biblical uh, paradigm that we see here is that, yes, I stopped drinking, um, but I am... Um, um, I am moving forward because I know that my life is impactful to other people. Uh, that's why we see here where it talks about not stealing anymore, that I go get a job. It's not just that I get a job so I can take care of myself. It's that I get a job and take care of myself and my family, and I'm prepared to help somebody else who's in need. And, and really, Paul's talking here about uh, the Christian community. There are other people in consideration uh, or, or that are impacted by what I do. My sin impacts other people. And that's one of the uh, reasons I, uh, certainly I want to change to glorify and honor God, but I want to change also for the benefit of the body of Christ. And that's very important. That's why I mentioned when, we, uh, when, when people uh, go to, to get biblical counseling, uh, that's one of the things that I stress with them. This is not just about you getting help with whatever you're dealing with. The, the attitude is you get help with what you're dealing with so that you're prepared now to help somebody else down the, uh, down the road. And I've just seen it too many times in my life uh, with, with the counseling I've done. You work with somebody through something, and in a matter of six months after they are done with the counseling, Somebody just happens to fall in their lap that is dealing with a lot of the things they just got done dealing with. And so that's why we need to be uh, uh, prepared, or that's how we're preparing as we think about dealing with uh, sin. There's always something else the Lord has in store for us as we move down the road. Yeah, Mel. And be careful, it's not just you when you want to help other people to make yourself look good for you. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. All these things, we're, yeah, all these things we're doing uh, for the glory of God, not to draw attention to ourselves, and um, it's not uh, uh, look how great I am to to do whatever, right? All those kinds of things, yeah. Uh, that's that's all part of of serving in the body of Christ, right? That's what we're all called to do. That's not just a 
one particular person or a pastor. Uh, they're not the only ones called to do this. Uh, we're all called to do this. And certainly that's why we're, we're going through this because we want everybody to take a, a hold of, of this concept. All right, so in your calendar thing, uh, again, I'm not going to review all this, but that's really kind of the basis of the put off, put on that he talks about in the introduction and overview. He talks about that in the put off, put on dynamic. Um, and, and so uh, then he gets into the process of renewal. And then he talks about let's get specific toward the end of, of that, um, just before you get into the area where it lists all the put off, put on categories. We're going to talk about um, that. So uh, the let's get specific, and then the page after that, it looks like this. Uh, you can't see the. Oh, can you see? There we go. Thanks, Rachel. So you have these categories, but right before that, that little. Uh oh. <laughs> Are we we rever we reverting back to? <laughs> no. Yeah, it's got a mind of its own. Um, AI. AI. Yeah, I think that's something like that. Um, then I'll come back to that. All right, I'll get, let Rachel get that fixed and we'll come back. Let's go into the uh, your calendar thing in that little area that says, let's get specific. And it says, uh, personal transformation will take place in your life when you identify specifically what it is that God wants you to change. This is important. Uh, if you are general or vague, you will not make much progress. If you remember, I talked about that last week. Um, you know, if you maybe write, you can write this down if you want, or it's pretty easy to remember. <clears throat> we sin specifically, and so when we confess, we need to confess specifically, and that's what we're addressing when we're trying to change. Whatever that thing is that we're doing, that sin we're committing, is a specific sin. And so when we try to battle sin, we have to battle it specifically. And that's why I've mentioned before, when we go through the process of repenting and uh, asking for forgiveness, that's why we cannot use general language. If I am, uh, again, if I, just for example, if I, if I tell a lie to Glenn, and I go back to him and I say, you know, Glenn, the other day when we were having that conversation, I, I didn't really speak in ways that I should speak. And will you forgive me? He has, no, he has no idea what I'm talking about. But hopefully he'll tell me that. <laughs> I've got no idea what you're talking about. Maybe you better, better be a little more specific. Um, and, and if I ask him to forgive me and he says, yeah, I forgive you, don't worry about it, he may think something completely different than what actually happened. And so the question that comes out of that is, has my sin been addressed? No. It hasn't. It's still out there. And that's why there's a lot of people that have, there's just a lot of difficulty in life is that we have all this unconfessed, unaddressed sin that's in our life. And when that happens, we're not going to make progress. We're actually going to go the other way. Uh, we're going to go kind of in a downward spiral. Um, are we back ready to roll? <laughs> Well, of course, now I'm not. Amen, right? Amen. Amen, brother. 
uh, well, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's going to get worse before it gets better. All right. It's not letting me control. Well, let's do this. All right. Communicate amongst yourselves. Uh, well, I'm going to try it this way. This might work. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Something, something like that. She's doing this on purpose. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, now that it. This is not going to. <laughs> yeah, mistakes have been made. Yeah. Well, that the one, the uh, blank one that I had, it disappeared. So I'm not sure. It, it, now if you add it, it's not going to come back. That's all right. We're going to go old school. <laughs> We'll use the marker board. <laughs> this is good technology. Hopefully, everybody will be able to see this. So one of the things we have to be mindful of is when we have unconfessed sin, uh, again, we're not helping ourselves. I don't know if we can see that. And, and what happens, and this is very typical when we're talking about depression, is that you have a bad decision, a sin, uh, and it's not confessed, we're not confessing it, we're not repenting of it, and so we actually just take a step downward. And when that's just left lingering out there, then we make another bad decision, we sin again and don't repent or get forgiveness for it, we go down another step. And when we get into this pattern of not addressing sin properly, that process just continues. And basically what you're doing is you're just digging yourself into a hole. Uh, some people will diagram it in the downward spiral sense. It's the same, same concept. You're just going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Oh, well. Yeah, Anne's comment is really kind of in the same area. It can be, right? It could be one particular sin. Or it can be a variety of sins, but you're never addressing any of them. And so it really doesn't matter whether it's one sin, one particular sin, or a number of different sins. It could be four, five, six different sins that are going unconfessed, unresolved. You're just digging yourself into, into a hole. This is extremely important in the sense that once you get down here, it becomes very difficult to dig your way out. And that's why people who get here, they get to a point where they feel like they are losing hope because they've been struggling, struggling with things for so long. This task of, of or, or what they perceive as this task of moving out of that seems to be insurmountable. I just can't, and that's what phrase comes in, I just can't do this anymore, right? 
And so that's why we have to be very careful with things like that. That's why unaddressed sin is so important in the sense of recognizing it and then moving through it. But it's also important in the sense of us recognizing it in someone else and not addressing it with them. When we don't do that, we're just letting them continue to go down. They're going downhill, and we're not doing anything to help them. And so we have to be careful about that as we think about uh, sin, not only in our own lives, but in the lives uh, of others. Yeah, Mel? Okay. Um, question. If you address someone, if you see someone else in sin and then you address them, but they do nothing about it, that's out of your um, so Mel's saying if we see somebody else in sin and we address it with them, we try to address it with them, um, uh, it's it's out of our c- control, out of our hands, so to speak. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Well, if they choose to reject that admonishment and that correction, you've done all, all your due diligence, correct? Uh, possibly. Uh, so uh, kind of what Mel's talking about there in the sense of, uh, doing what we're supposed to do. Again, that was where we would go back to Matthew 18, uh, working through a sin that we see in somebody else. Uh, we go to them privately. If they won't repent of that, we, we go with one or two others. If they still won't repent uh, of that, and it's cl- now it's clearly been established, right? That's why we take the one or two others to establish that this truly is sin and it's something they need to repent of. They're being called to repent. If they refuse to listen to those one or two others, uh, then you take it uh, take it to the church, and that's where the church addresses uh, the issue. If it's gone through those steps, and so we've been obedient in uh, doing that aspect of it, then yes, we've done everything that we can. I mean, I'm not neglecting that somebody's in that situation. It's not that we're not going to pray for them anymore. It's not that we're never going to call them to repentance again, right? If I see somebody that's in church discipline and I, I see them out in the street, I, I'm not going to act like nothing has happened or nothing's wrong. I'm going to ask them. I'm going to continue to call them to repent. I'm going to share the gospel with them. Um, so I'm, it's not that I'm never going to say anything to them again or never attempt anything again. But I am, at that point, I've done everything that I can do up to that point, right, up to the point where I'm seeing them again. I mean, a lot of times when you go through that church discipline process, unfortunately, they remove themselves from any communication with the church or anybody in the church. Um, they, they distance themselves. I mean, one of the, the worst things we can do, uh, that's why I mentioned with regard to seeing them again, we're going to uh, we're gonna, uh, call them to repentance. We're going to present the gospel to them because the worst thing we can do is they go through the, the the church discipline process, and then we still interact with them as if nothing's changed. We interact with them like they're still part of the body. Oh yeah, I know you're just you're going to this other church down the road now. That's fine. Uh, no, it's not fine. Right? Uh, when we when we do that, we're uh, we're just overlooking their sin. Uh, we're condoning what they they did, and we don't want to do that. So we got to be careful um, with with that kind of a thing as well. All right, or we're back, kind of back. That's all right. Yeah, that's fine. Thanks, Rachel. Yeah, I just wanted to get the. <laughs> we're having all kinds of problems. No, that's fine. Just uh, go without. 
Are we not? Are, Okay, just get this one back up. No new slides. Um, and then... Mine just went off air again. <laughs> Enough for technology. I'm going to go back to the old way of doing things. Yeah, put that back up there if you would. Okay, let me know when you're on air. You can just leave that there. Are you sure? Yeah, just leave it there. All right. Yay. Lovely. All right, so kind of back to the calendar there. We're talking about being specific. Again, that's where we want to keep that in mind as we go through this example, because that's very important. We're going to see that in the example that is given. And again, underneath that, uh, before you get to the next page, it says, if you are truly serious about changing, you must be willing to say, as the psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting, Psalm 139, 23, and 24. So again, that's what we're, we're trying to get at. We want uh, the Holy Spirit to reveal to us whatever is going on in our life. Uh, we need to rely on the Holy Spirit for that. And sometimes that doesn't happen immediately. We can't get in the mindset that if I say that or I read that psalm one time and I say that as a prayer one time, that automatically these things are going to just come uh, flooding in. It just doesn't work that way. We may need to ask other people for help with some of those things. But that's where we're really relying on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will convict us of our sin. Uh, we just have to make sure that we're actually wanting that to happen. We're not resisting that, right? Um, so we, we need to be uh, um, aware of that. And then right below that, it says, on the following pages are lists of put-offs and put-ons with the scriptures that apply to each. And then it goes through the process. And, and again, I ask you to read through that and uh, kind of what's going to happen here. So that's what we're going to do now. We're going to look at this aspect, how you're going to actually go about applying this to your own life. And uh, again, if you've got questions as we go through this, uh, certainly let me know and we'll try to address them or I'll try to address them one at a time. So really what you see here, what you have in, in the calendar that you have is just these three columns. You have the put off. What is it that I need to get rid of? What's the sin that I'm dealing with? What's the sin in my life that I need to address? And you see all kinds of sins listed there, right? Then in the next column, you see what it is that you're supposed to put on. So at the very top, you see the put off anger being temperamental. Uh, what you need to put on is forgiveness, self-control, and kindness. And then in the third column, you see scriptures that deal with that. Uh, so we have Proverbs 14, 17, uh, 14, 15, 18. All of those are listed there. And certainly we see Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Those are just some of the scriptures. These are not, this is not exhaustive. And you could find all kinds of other scriptures with regard to being uh, angry or being temperamental. Um, uh, I mean, one of the places I go to that uh, dealing with anger or people that are angry uh, certainly is Genesis 4, where we talk about Cain. 
uh, go to the book of Jonah, chapter 4 of Jonah, I think is a great place to go in uh, dealing with somebody that is angry. Uh, just because of all the things that are in there theologically that we need to consider as we, um, uh, we're trying to understand sin, uh, what, what it does in a person's life, and uh, how destructive it is, all those kinds of things. And so the, all of those scriptures can give you insight as to the, uh, God's perspective on anger. Uh, what is God's perspective on anger? We can have the understanding there of righteous anger versus unrighteous anger. Hopefully we would develop that as we're going to deal with a sin. We certainly want to develop that as we deal with that particular sin in addressing that, attacking that, battling that, right? And you see all the rest of them there. The, one, the example we're going to look at that you have on the, your handout, you know, this thing here, is anxiety and worry. And we're just going to walk through that part of it. But again, you see there, uh, the put off is anxiety and worry. What we need to put on is uh, a prayer. We need to pray more. We need to trust God's uh, trust in God's sovereignty and fatherly care. And then we have uh, some scriptures there that will help us in uh, having a biblical understanding of anxiety and worry. And again, those are just a few scriptures that you could look at. So we're going to want to go to those scriptures. We're going to read those scriptures. We're going to fully understand those scriptures. We're going to kind of uh, dissect those scriptures and, and see what it is that the scriptures are telling us about that particular thing, right? So the, the Philippians 4 there, do not be anxious for anything. And there's a lot we could talk about in that. We could start off by saying uh, just in that Philippians passage that that is a command. It's not God's suggestion to you, right? So we, we look at that and think about that in the command mode. God is telling, the, telling us that you shall not do this. You shall not worry. I mean, that's kind of in essence what he's saying there when he says do not worry. Don't worry about anything. And even think about that. What is anything? <laughs> what does that include? <laughs> right? Anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, don't, you know, you don't have to break that down in the Greek or anything. <laughs> Anything's anything. Right? Yeah, so it's just, again, those just are, are very practical things that we think about as we um, pick those scriptures apart and think about what is God telling me with, with regard to this particular sin. Obviously, when we see that in, in that Philippians passage, in light of it being a command, it's not just some. Uh, flippant thing. This is a very serious issue to God. And if, if, if it's serious to God, it should be serious to us as well. And we want to see it in that light. All right? We, we want to see it that way. We want to see it as God sees it. All right? So that's really all that's going on here in the, the pages that follow in that calendar. We just see all of these sins that are listed there. And this is what you need to get rid of. This is the sinful behavior you need to get, uh, get rid of, that you need to put off. And then the righteous behavior that you need to put on is in that second column. And again, that first one there, uh, anger, being temperamental, uh, forgiveness and self-control, and that uh, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. I just love that section of Scripture. In 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted. That is an active process. That's a proactive process. 
I don't wait for the opportunity to be kind and tender-hearted to somebody, right? I don't wait until my wife makes my favorite dessert to be kind and tender-hearted toward her. I do that automatically because that's what God is telling me to do as far as right behavior. That's how a Christian is supposed to live their life. I don't sit back and wait. I'm not passive in this Christian life. I'm proactive in the Christian life. right? So that's what we need to be thinking about as we think about a lot of these things. Now, I'm going to preface kind of as we move forward here. <laughs> as you go through this, because what we're going to end up doing, what I'm wanting you to do is to take this home, and I'm wanting you to identify a particular sin that you struggle with. And you're going, to, you're going to develop your own plan of attack for that particular sin. But I'm going to tell you right up front, here's the, the general tendency when kind of people are given this assignment. The tendency is to go home and you look through there and you go, oh man, there's, there's like three or four of these that I struggle with. And I want to take, I want to take on all three or four. Bad idea. Bad idea. One. Just one. So if you sense yourself getting the urge to take on two or three, <laughs> just kind of remind yourself, Pastor Key said, no, don't do that, right? So that's my command to you, don't do that. Just one. Just one, one and only one, all right? Don't, and don't think about a sin that somebody else needs to deal with, all right? The sin you need to deal with, right? So it doesn't mean you can't get help from somebody else, but this is a sin that you are struggling with. And uh, again, just one. And, and that's uh, it. a lot of times when we have one particular sin, or well, let me say it this way. If we have three or four different sins we struggle with, typically they're all connected somehow. And so as you deal with one, you're actually dealing with the other two or three. That's just the way it works out. So as you're battling one, you're actually kind of behind the scenes battling the other two, three, or four, whatever, and just w work on it that way. Josh? As a couple, working on 11 together? Yeah. Would that be um, Wait, so, <laughs> so <laughs> Josh's accusation against Rachel. Is, yeah. So Josh's question is, uh, you have something, a sin, that results in, um, maybe, is it fair to say conflict in two people? Okay, so there's a sin that you commit that impacts somebody else very directly. Uh, would you want to work on those together? Not initially. I mean, you, you, by working on it yourself, on the, the your your responsibility of it, your half of it, right? If you want to say it that way, uh, tip, uh, ultimately it's yours completely. But as you're dealing with that particular sin issue that does impact somebody else, as you work on it uh, to get with your uh, individually, you are working on it together in a um, kind of a a general way, right? Now. Having said that, it may sound like I'm saying two different things, but as you work on it individually, there may be some things in your plan that we're going to look at here in a minute 
that would incorporate somebody else's assistance in what you're going to do individually. And so that's where the other person may come into play. But we, we certainly want to make sure we don't have the understanding that somehow I struggle with this particular issue, but I wouldn't struggle with this particular issue if it weren't for so-and-so, right? We don't want to get to that point or that have that idea, right? And that's, that all comes back from what we talked about last week with where, where do our sin issues come from? Our heart. Yeah, my sin issues don't come from Nancy's heart. <laughs> they come from my heart, right? They don't come from her behavior. They come from my heart. And so that's why we want to work on these things. Individually doesn't mean we can't incorporate the help or assistance uh, from somebody else, but this is my thing. This is my sin, not somebody else's sin. Okay, make sense on the columns there? All right, amen. All right, so let's go back. I keep turning back. You guys have numbers in your, yours. I don't. Um, so get all the way back to um, there's an index, quick find alphabetical index of topic and corresponding scripture reference. Um, again, I just point that out. I think that's like page 20 or 21 or something like that. 20. 20? Thanks, Mel. Yeah. And again, this is just a, a little bit of a help. You can maybe put a little tab there or something like that if you're trying to figure out where you need to find that. I mean, it's in alphabetical order, really, anyway, so it should be somewhat easy to find. But, um, again, you can see all of the different things that are listed there. And so those are things you can think about, pray about, um, maybe some things that you are realizing that you have an issue with that you really didn't think you had an issue with. That comes about, too. People start looking at some of these things, and they start thinking about, different things that happen in their life and they they kind of come to the realization that this is something they struggle with and that is part of sin a lot of times we have sin that we don't we're just so used to it we don't realize it it just happens and uh, i mean we've trained ourselves to do it but uh, that's the problem with it we're we're, we're really good at it and so we got to be careful of those things so let's turn to the next page and again, this is just really um, how to work through the personal transformation. Uh, we're going to take a look. Uh, I, I did have, you guys can see that in there, I had the things uh, which are good things to go through, hindrances to spiritual growth. Those sheets that are in there I think are very good just to look at some of those things. Again, that's a common question. Why is that I just don't seem to be growing as a Christian? Uh, I would look at that section because there's some good things to, to evaluate there. All right, so our example. The example here, again, this is just very straightforward, but what is going on here is the person uh, in this fictitious example struggles with anxiety and worry. So that's what they've listed on their sheet. This is my sin issue. I struggle with anxiety, which anxiety and worry are really kind of the same, same type of thing. So that's why they have those two there. They're not addressing two things, they're just one. Right, but that's how they're they're looking at it. The biblical references they have down there are Matthew six twenty five to thirty four, um, and then Philippians four six to nine. And so they're they're those are the scripture references. Again, there are more. There are a lot of other scriptures we could go to 
to talk about anxiety and worry. They're not all in the New Testament. All right, so that's where we, again, we want to know Scripture. Um, we could go back to uh, the story of Elijah in 1 Kings. Was it 1 Kings 17, I think? Um, something, 17, 18, 19, somewhere in there. And we see Elijah, he has this miraculous thing that happens. He challenges all the prophets of Baal. You prepare the altar the way you want. You go ahead and do that. And then I'm going to prepare the altar the way I want. And we're going to see which God consumes uh, the altar, right? Consumes everything. And, uh, uh, right, he mocks the, the prophets of Baal. And then after they get done, he prepares the altar. God consumes everything, right? And 400 prophets of Baal are slain that day. This, this unbelievable thing that happens. And it doesn't ha it's not a story that he hears from somebody else. It happens right before his very eyes, right? And then right after that, what happens? Yeah, Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. This disrespectful old hag <laughs> says, I'm going to kill you. And that sends him in a tailspin, and he runs away. He runs away. He's worried that he's going to be killed. After he's just seen this wonderful thing happen, this miraculous move of God, that's how quickly it can happen. I mean, I want someone to see that if I'm working with them on anxiety and worry. I want them to know this is, I mean, I, I'm not discounting that this is not real. Right? I'm not telling somebody, you know, just stop worrying, get over it. I mean, that's the worst thing you can do. And there are all kinds of examples we can go to in the scriptures that um, we can pick apart with regard to anxiety and worry and how someone can be struggling with these things. And we, we, wanna, uh, we want that to be real to them because the, the range of anxiety and worry can be markedly different depending on who it is I'm dealing with, right? Depending on their circumstances. Uh, so there's all kinds of places we can go. But here, Matthew 6, 25 to 34, and then Philippians 4, 6 through 9. And then in the, uh, on your own sheet, what you're going to fill out is the insights gleaned. What did you learn from those verses? What are those verses teaching uh, in the things that this person has here? Is God promises to meet all of my physical needs. God commands me not to worry about my future. God wants me to focus on loving and serving him, and he will take care of me. I am to pray instead of worry. I should not let my mind dwell on things that are not true. I must focus my thoughts on what, uh, pe uh, on what people say is true. Then he will give me his peace. And again, these are all promises that come out of uh, the word of God. Uh, the, that uh, second to the last one there, I will not let my mind dwell on things that are not true. That, I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that's critical for people who deal with anxiety and worry. Uh, in fact, I had a, a conversation recently with a person that they were really just kind of all twisted in different ways about things that they thought were happening here at Bethel. And they had worked themselves up into a frenzy. It was, I mean, I kind of sat there like just stunned. <laughs> it's like, finally, I was just like, where did you get all this? 
yeah, well, I heard this from somebody and I heard this from somebody else. And I'm like, okay, well, I can assure you that none of this is true. None of it. But that's how easily that can happen. You start listening to things and uh, people saying different things that are just not true. We just get sucked into that. And now our mind just goes off in all kinds of different directions, right? So that's very easy uh, to, to happen in a person's life. It does happen, right? So something like that is very important as, uh, important as we think about the insights gleaned from those scriptures. Uh, the next uh, part there is just put off uh, that question right below that. How have I failed to live by it? This is where the rubber meets the road. Because now we're identifying how have I not lived according to the scriptures? It, again, this is kind of back to Josh's question. It's not about what somebody else has done to me or their interjection of things into my life. None of that. It's all about me. How have I failed to live by what's been taught in the scriptures? I'm taking responsibility for my own action. It's not somebody else's fault. It's what I have done. It's my decision how I have responded to these things. All right? So what uh, the person has here is when I go to bed at night, I am unable to fall asleep. I lie there thinking about our financial situation and how we will make ends meet. That's where their mind is. That's what they're, that's what they're focused on, right? Number two there, when I wake up during the night, I can't fall back asleep because I start thinking about the cares of the next day. My heart starts to beat fast and I worry that something is physically wrong with me. And the third thing, I believe money will bring peace and security. What do you notice about those three things that this person put down there? Yeah, I, 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 I. Very self-focused. I mean, that really is the case with most sins. It's very self-focused. Uh, what about me? How am I going to move through this? Uh, I can't believe this is impacting me. I can't believe I have to go through these circumstances, right? It's not about what, what is God doing in my life? How, how does God want me to respond to these certain things, right? So we have to be careful about those things. The put on then is the next thing that you're going to tackle with this sin. What changes do I need to make? So we've learned all this from the scriptures. You've, you've gotten these insights. I know uh, how I failed to live by the scriptures. What changes do I need to make? And the person has there, I need to pray, trust in God's sovereignty and fatherly care. I need to begin to trust that God knows what I need and will provide it. He promised it, right? And so we need to trust that. Instead of worrying about the needs of my family, I should pray about my concerns. I love that one. I love that one, right? I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm... I'm uh, consumed by the things of tomorrow, right? Instead of doing that, I now turn to the godly behavior, which is praying. Praying and bringing all these things before God. He knows all these things anyway. But I'm going to petition him. I'm still going to petition him for all of these things. And that really comes out of that Philippians 4 passage too, right? Um, so... Um, uh, the next one, I must find my security in God. That's what I need to do. That's one of the things I need to do is make sure my security is in the Lord. And the, the next one I love as well, I should be thankful for my husband's job and the way God uses it to provide for our family. 
being thankful. Right, that's what we see in 1 Thessalonians 5, right? Uh, be thankful, uh, always giving thanks, I think is how it's said there, always giving thanks. Um, pray without ceasing, uh, ceasing, rejoice always, and uh, giving thanks in everything. And that's giving thanks in everything is everything. And so that is, uh, the reason I said I really like that is because I think, well, I'll, sp I'll just speak for me. <laughs> I certainly know that I'm not as thankful as I should be, right? And it's always hard to get people to turn in that direction. Uh, back when I was at a cha uh, the chaplain down at the prison, that was one of the toughest things to do is to get those guys to be thankful because they see themselves as someone who is in a six by 10 cell. They're there every day. They're not getting out of there for the next 30 years. Um, how do you be thankful in those situations? And you would ask them, well, what are you thankful for? And they would say nothing. Um, how about uh, the clothes on your back? Well, yeah, maybe that. How about the bed you sleep in? Well, the, the mattress isn't quite as soft as I'd like it. <laughs> All right. Well, you're not sleeping on a dirt floor, are you? Oh, yeah, I'm not sleeping on a dirt floor. Uh, how about uh, what's the temperature like in your, uh, in your unit? Well, it's nice in there. Could be a lot worse, couldn't it? You got bugs crawling around in there? No. I mean, again, right, that's where we need to think about perspective. Uh, and the same applies to us. I uh, may not have the... Biggest house, fanciest cars, uh, whatever. Uh, do I get from here to there? Yeah. Uh, have I gone without a meal in the last uh, 62 years, 62 plus years? No. <laughs> you tell. You can tell, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, right? That's where perspective comes in. We need to be thankful, and that's why I love this thing here. There's a ton of things we can worry about, but there's a ton of things we can be thankful for as well, right? So that, that moves us then, that's all setting us up for the next part, which is my plan for change. How am I going to make these changes in my life? And, and it just says that there, right? How will I make these changes? And that next one, and I highlight that, underline that, whatever. What is my specific plan? Not what's my general plan, what's my specific plan? I will commit to memory, Philippians 4, 6 to 9. I will transfer my worry list over to my prayer list. That's a great one. List all the things I worry about. And now, how do I take every one of those things and turn it into a prayer? That changes everything, right? So I'm going to do that. I will make a list of all the ways that God is providing for my family and all the special ways He has blessed us. Again, that's just being thankful for what you've already been given. I will daily thank God for his provisions and for promising to provide for all my needs. One clarification on that. Um, I don't mind what this person's doing here with that thing. I will daily thank God. I mean, we should be thanking God every day anyway. But there are times when we think there's a, um, um, right, our goal is to read the Bible every day. Um, but there are things that happen in the course of life where sometimes you don't read the Bible during the day. Somebody could be, right, you could be in the hospital, um, whatever, right? Um, and, and with the circumstances going on, you may not be able to read the Bible, right? 
uh, again, there's just different things that happen. And when we make commitments to, I'm going to always do this thing, we have to be careful we're not setting ourselves up for failure. Something happens now, and you can't accomplish something you put on this plan, and now you get disappointed because I didn't accomplish that today. Right? So just be wise in that. Uh, again, I, I'm not opposed to what this person put here. Just in other things, be careful with that. Uh, the next one, when I have a hard time falling asleep, I will discipline my mind to dwell on the truths of Philippians 4, 6 to 9. I will pray for God to help me, uh, to, for God to fill me with his peace and help me sleep. And again, that's just something that we're now, uh, we're going to find ourselves, we've, we've trained ourselves to do pretty good at always worrying. And so now to make that change, it's going to take a little bit of time. But that's what you're working toward is disciplining yourself to turn that, that worry into uh, thoughts toward the Lord, right? Uh, and, and then they have some examples there. It is true that God has kept my family safe thus far. I will do the right thing, even if it means financial hardship. I will think only pure thoughts about that person who has hurt me, right? So we want to be thinking in that way. And again, that's part of renewing our mind. Uh, and that all comes out of those scriptures. The next one, I will share with others about my special uh, about the special ways God takes care of me and my family. Um, that's very important as well. We're sharing with somebody else what God's doing in our life. As we share with other people about what God's doing in my life, it reinforces in my own heart how God is good to me, how God's promises are true, right? And we want to do that. Uh, a lot of times that can give us an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. Hey, you know what God's doing in my life right now? Right? I'm broke, but <laughs> right? Feeling something happened. Um, so the emphasis is not on uh, the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. It's on the goodness and greatness of God. And uh, you know, hopefully that'll encourage somebody else to ask us, you know, hey, what makes you tick? What's going on? Why are you so weird? All those things. Um, and then uh the last thing I will review this worksheet often. Again, that's notice they didn't have daily there. Probably not going to happen daily. I'm going to review it often. How 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 often is often? I don't know. Once a week, once every other week. That's for you to determine. That's where somebody like Josh was talking about can come in handy. Um, right? You can tell um, your spouse, hey, this is this is what I'm working on. Uh, and again, you don't necessarily have to get into all the details, but one of the things I'm planning on doing, one, one of the things in my specific plan is to review this thing once uh, uh, every two weeks. Would you help keep me accountable in doing that? Again, this is something we're not used to doing, but that's something they can help you with. Uh, there's nothing wrong with, with that, right? All right, so makes sense. Uh, kind of the sample there uh, that they have. All right, so one of the things that's on the back of your page, and you've, you've got pages in the book. That's your, if uh, your book, you can write in it, you can do whatever you want. Um, but what I did is I printed out a bunch of these. These are just uh, um, copies. You can develop your own plan. You write you know, pencil, you can erase it, you can rewrite it, whatever. Um, just make copies and, and uh, make one. And that one, 
you can kind of look at it and go, yeah, this one really, I don't, I don't really like the way it came out. Then you do another one, right? Uh, you can kind of go over, over, or even again, if you write the whole thing in pencil, um, you can erase something later on and go, you know what, I've been trying this, this really hasn't been working, and I think maybe this other thing will work better. And you can move in that direction. Keep in mind that uh, when we deal with sins that have become very prominent in our lives, uh, very rarely do things change overnight. Uh, if you've taken a long time to get where you're at right now, it doesn't mean it's going to take that similar amount of time to, to get past that. But uh, typically it takes a little bit of time to get used to something like this, to work through it. And uh, if you're making great progress on one thing, yeah, then you can move on to some other sin issue and, and just continue to, uh, to plug away. But that's really what that blank sheet is for, is for you to develop your own. All right. Any questions on, no, no, back to the beginning, whatever. Any questions on how you go through this? And, and as I said, if, if you want to put one together and uh, you're unsure about kind of how it came out or whatever and you want me to look it over, I would be glad to do that. I'll give you some pointers on, on things I think are, uh, are good things or maybe some things you can add to that. Or maybe I look at something and go, you know, I just don't think that's very specific. I think it's too general. We need to narrow that down a little bit. I'm certainly willing uh, to do that. And, uh, and again, that's really just to help you make progress in, in battling sin. I got one question here. Uh, All right. For example, now this is when you were talking about Matthew 18, you were talking about the one or two pointing out the sins and so forth. Yep. But could that really also be applied in a non-believer? For example, you have an individual, let's say a family situation. You have one individual family and it's a sin, all right? Yep. And the family members or whatever know, know about it. Sure. Okay? So you go through one-on-one, you go two-on-three-on-one. Yeah. Um, whatever, obviously, <clears throat> said, even with someone claiming to be a Christian, a lot of times they'll just turn and run anyway you get nowhere. Right. Would it not be... So Ken's question is, uh, when we talk about Matthew 18 and, and going and approaching somebody about their sin, and if they don't change their ways, you, you go with uh, one or two others that uh, even with the non-believer, that might be beneficial. Is that a proper yeah. rephrasing? Um, for, for me, I would, I would not be in favor of that. Uh, and, and here's the reason, a couple of reasons. One is that when we're calling a non-believer to change their behavior, We've got to be very careful that we're not calling them, or they don't. The way they're going to, the way they're going to take it, is really they're trying to rejuvenate the old man. They're not saved. Uh, they have these uh, sinful behaviors which are driven by a sin nature, and so they're now trying to take the old man and make the old man better. And that's not what we want, right? We want conviction of sin. We want that uh, sin, as we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, we want them to uh, be driven to godly sorrow, which leads to repentance, which leads to life. A worldly sorrow leads to death. And so we can, we can talk to non-believers about their sin, and there's, there's a lot of non-believers that will be very emotional about their bad behavior, as they'll call it, their sin. And there may be tears, there, you know, a lot of sobbing, uh, all of that, we think, wow, there's, there's some impact there. Um, but 
for a lot of those people, really what they want is they want us to overlook their sin. And so there is emotion there, but it really is not um, uh, not godly sorrow. It's uh, it's worldly sorrow. So that's why I would uh, I would not be in favor of, of that trying to follow that pattern for a non-believer. Um, and really, guys, maybe the other part of it then it really, at least for me, would be uh, we're, we're we're trying to do something apart from the gospel. Uh, and that has to be central when we're talking about a non-believer, because ultimately that's the only thing that's going to change their circumstances um, is the gospel. And so we want to, if a person is in sin, uh, I mean, I just think of something very straightforward, Ken, which is, let's say we have a relative that's a non-believer and they're always telling lies, right? Um, for me, I want to talk to them about their lying because it's not good just in a societal way but I'm going to talk to them more specifically about what we see in 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that these people will not inherit the kingdom of God? You're one of them. Right? Uh, liars are listed there. You go to Revelation and bring that up. Uh, those that uh, are liars are not going to uh, be in heaven. Um, and that's what I want to talk to them about. I want them to come to the reality that they're not a good person. Uh, that they're offensive to the Lord. No, I'm not going to maybe say that directly, but I, I want them to see that. I want to see. I want them to understand that their life is offensive to a holy God, and that the only way that's going to change is if they repent and and, and uh, ask God to forgive them of their sin, and then again their life's going to change. We can talk about being committed to the Lord, all those kinds of things. But um, that that's where I would rather go. With that, yeah, yep. Otherwise, I'm replastering the ceiling, but the whole stone rock. Yeah, it's a great, great analogy, right? That's right. Yeah, what's the uh, that's the old story? Uh, the guy that has a crack in the plaster, and he asks all these people to come in and fix the the crack in the plaster in the ceiling, and and uh, all these people come in and tell him how much uh, it's going to cost, and uh, finally one guy comes in and says, uh, "That's not your problem." The problem is you got a bad foundation. Until the foundation gets fixed, nothing's going to change. So, right, right, that's what we need to be mindful of. Need a different foundation, right? All right. Well, since you were the one that asked the last question, you got to pray to close. Thanks for taking the time to listen and learn with us. We hope that next time you'll join us in person. We meet every Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10 a.m. In addition to our traditional worship service, we also offer Sunday school classes for children and adults, as well as child care services in our staffed nursery. For more information about Bethel Baptist Church, please visit our website.